Hey guys, and welcome back to an all new episode of Unknown Serial Killers. Thank you once again for joining me and continue to join me because each week we are talking about someone very different and very interesting, but also they're still a serial killer. If you haven't checked out last week's episode, please go do so right now because you do not want to miss it. As always, viewers' discretion is advised because we are talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. This week, we are talking about David Parker Ray, also known as the Toy Box Killer. Not a lot of you people might have heard of him, but for the people who haven't, this is the podcast for you. David Parker Ray was born on November 6, 1939 in Belen, New Mexico. During his childhood, David Parker Ray and his younger sister Peggy lived with their disciplinary grandfather. He was sporadically visited by his violent alcoholic father who would supply him with magazines depicting sadomasochistic pornography. At Montaner High School in Montaner, New Mexico, he was bullied by his peers for his shyness for girls. Ray's sexual fantasies of raping, torturing, and even murdering women developed during his teenage years. Around this time, his sister discovered his sadomasochistic drawings as well as pornographic photos of bondage acts. After completing high school, Ray received an honorable discharge from the United States Army where his service included work as a general mechanic. Ray was divorced four times and had two children, including his accomplice, daughter Jessie Ray, born Glenda Jean Ray. Ray sexually tortured and presumably killed his victims using whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreader bars, surgical blades, electric shock machine, and saws. It is thought that he terrorized many women with these tools for many years with the help of accomplices, some of whom are alleged to have been several of the women he was dating. Inside the torture room, along were numerous sex toys, torture implements, syringes, and detailed diagrams showing ways of inflicting pain. There was a homemade electrical generator which was used for torture. The mirror was mounted in the ceiling above the table to which he strapped his victims. Ray also put his victims in wooden contraptions that bent them over and immobilized them while he had his dogs and sometimes other friends raped them. He had been said to have wanted his victims to see everything he was doing to them. Ray often had an audio tape recording of his voice played for his victims whenever they regained consciousness. It's only been three minutes in, and I know that's definitely a lot to take in. So the toy box he is referring to is actually his trailer. He soundproofed the trailer, so obviously no noise can be heard coming out of the trailer. And he designed this as a torture chamber. Now, I don't know about you guys, but who really wakes up and thinks, hey, you know what? I'm going to turn this trailer into a torture trailer. We're going to go out and get girls and we're going to torture them. He usually tortured his victims for about two or three days. And then he either kill them and dump them somewhere or hopefully and by a miracle they'll get away. Ray posed as an undercover police officer and approached Cynthia Vigil in a parking lot. 
He told her that she was under arrest for a solicitation of prostitution and handcuffed her. He put her in his trailer and took her to Elephant Butte. After three days of captivity, Vigil escaped from the trailer at Elephant Butte on March 22, 1999. To escape, she waited until Ray had gone to work and then unlocked her chains. Ray's accomplice, Sydney Hendy, had left the keys on a nearby table before going to another room to speak to someone on the telephone. After Vigil got the keys, Hendy noticed Vigil's attempt to escape and a fight ensued. During the struggle, Hendy broke a lamp on the survivor's head, but Vigil unlocked her chain and stabbed Hendy in the neck with an ice pick. You do anything to survive because you're not going to die in the hands of somebody else. Hendy fell to the floor and Vigil escaped. She fled while wearing only an iron slave collar and padlock chains. She ran down the road seeking help, which she got from a nearby homeowner who took her in, comforted her, and called the police. Her escape led to officials to the trailer and instigated the capture of Ray and his accomplices. Police stopped Ray and Hendy, and Ray was taken to jail. After the publicity surrounding the arrest, another victim, Angelica Montano, came forward. She told a similar story and said that she was reported the incident to police, but there had been no follow-up. Ray had a video of another victim, Kelly Garrett, also called Kelly Van Cleve, which dated from 1996. Garrett ultimately was found in Colorado alive after police identified a tattoo on her ankle. She later testified that she had gotten into a fight with her husband and decided to spend the night playing pool with friends. On July 24, 1996, Ray's daughter, Jessie, who knew Garrett, took her to the Blue Water Saloon in Truth or Consequence, New Mexico, and drank the beer she was drinking. Garrett had walked to the parking lot when she suffered a blow from behind, which knocked her unconscious. Ray took her to his trailer and attached a dog collar and leash to her neck. Garrett awoke but blacked out several times during two days of torture and drugging. During this time, Ray noticed that she was still breathing and slashed her throat open. Thinking that she had killed her, thinking that he had killed her, Ray dumped her beside a road near Sabalo. She was later treated for her injuries at a local clinic. Neither her husband nor the police believed her story. Her husband believed she had been cheating on him the night she was attacked. He sued for divorce and Garrett moved to Colorado. She was later interviewed on Cold Case Files about her ordeal. Now, her husband was an insensitive asshole. I'm sorry to say, but how dare you? After all this torture and stuff that I have been through, you're going to accuse me of cheating. That is ridiculous. Two other accomplices were uncovered by the investigation. Glenda Jean, Jesse Ray, Ray's daughter, and Dennis Yancey. Yancey admitted to strangling his former girlfriend, Marie Parker, after Ray had kidnapped and tortured her. Yancey was convicted of second-degree murder and a conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to two 15-year terms. After that murder, Ray allegedly admitted to having an accomplice named Billy Bowers, the previous business partner whom Ray also murdered. The Federal Bureau of Investigation sent 100 agents to examine Ray's property and surroundings, but no identifiable human remains were found. To prevent women from reporting the crimes, Ray had drugged them with agents to induce amnesia. He made a tape recording of himself telling one woman that the drug was sodium pentanol, 
One woman remained uncertain that her recollection of the abuse were anything but nightmares until she was contacted by the FBI. After questioning, she came to remember her mistreatment in increasing details. That's a horrible thing to have to remember. A decision was made to try the cases involving race attacks in three trials, one for his acts against Cynthia Vigil, one for those against Angela, Angelica Monteo, and one for those against Kelly Garrett. Trial one resulted in a mistrial and retrial with a conviction in the retrial of all 12 counts. Monteo died before trial two and there was no conviction. In trial three, Ray agreed to a plea bargain in which he was sentenced in 2001 to 224 years in prison for numerous offenses in the abduction and sexual torture of three young women at his Elephant Butte Lake home. Ray's daughter, Glenda Jean, also was tried in charges of kidnapping. She was sentenced to two and a half years in prison with an additional five years to be served on probation. In 1999, accomplice Dennis Roy Yancey was convicted of the strangulation murder of Marie Parker in Elephant Butte, which Ray recorded. Yancey was also charged with kidnapping two counts of conspiracy to commit a crime and tampering with evidence. He was sentenced to 30 years. In 2010, Yancey was paroled after serving 11 years in prison, but the release was delayed by difficulties in negotiating a place for a residency. Three months after he was released in 2011, Yancey was charged with violating his parole. He was remanded to custody where he remained until 2021, serving the rest of his original sentence. In 2000, Sidney Hensey, an accomplice who testified against Ray, received a sentence of 36 years for her role in the crimes. She was scheduled to receive parole in 2017. She was released in July 15, 2019, after serving the two years of her parole in prison. On May 28, 2002, Ray was taken to the Lee County Correctional Facility in Hobbs, New Mexico, to be questioned by state police. He died of a heart attack before the interrogation took place. Now, wouldn't you call that luck? He died before the interrogation. That's unbelievable. That was definitely a lot to take in, and that was definitely a lot to say. And to hear it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. How could you possibly pick up people and torture them in your car, in your trailer, wherever, in your house. It it doesn't make sense to me. Thank you guys for joining me this week. Please come back and join me again as we uncover another serial killer. And like I always tell you guys, please be careful who you come across, who you talk to, or you be mean to because you never know who they killed. See you guys next week.